0: Get the news, fuck with these niggas talking, we let the bitches But loyalty is all, you know they ain't no switching crews. feeling like we put the blow in this room, might have lit the rules, real nigga, my haters wishing they was one, going hard till recognition and buzz comes, spill so much liquor, you have thought I lost a loved one, money over everything, these bitches above none. twenty four hours, I've had DA Boston, that fucking mentions complaining, essentially trying to woke shame me. It's fucking bullshit. Like they're trying to get me canceled because they they're saying that I implied that people in fucking Bolivia can't be bilingual. No. Is that what set them off? I know. I mean, what set them off was, you know, some they got the mandate from up above to sow an astroturf online campaign to make people think that ain't what's going on in Bolivia is anything but a coup. Uh, what set them after me is because I tweeted the word Bolivia, and so they fucking obviously name search Bolivia in order to, like, essentially copy and paste a series of responses to, like, anyone who... Is another country who's like, hey, you know, this seems fishy because America has a long history of supporting right wing coups in the global south, in countries that have, you know, reserves of natural resources. I mean, the tweet that in, in the tweet in question was essentially just a test tweet to see if they would, it would happen, just like it happened with Venezuela, and God knows immediately.
1: It is really remarkable just how little effort they seem to put into the the covert aspect of the operations and that it's not even mildly convincing accounts uh, and they're not not even like reasonably high tier bots, you know, it's, it's your very run of the mill, like both actually literally automated and then also uh some unfortunate people that are contracted to mass-produce messages i mean honestly like
0: they're not all bots right so the tweet that i tweeted in question uh insinuated that everyone who's coming out pro-coup is like just a bot in reality it's a combination of cia bots you know essentially bolivian expats who left bolivia because, well, an indigenous an indigenous left-wing government came into power and that meant they probably couldn't own slaves anymore if, hist- if history is any indicator of what was going on in Bolivia. And like a, a small, small minority, because there is a right-wing opposition party that is essentially staging coup right now, of people who support that right-wing opposition party who is being propped up by the with other two groups to make it seem as though you know, there is actually a groundswell of grassroots support for the removal of Evo Morales. I don't believe that's true. Um, you know, a lot of people shy away from making fucking hard statements like, "Hey, this is this is complex." I mean, you know, this is obviously a coup. Like this it, it's almost been it's been a month since America's last coup. I mean, right now we have what fucking um Jack Ryan season two coming out, which was propaganda for our last coup. But it got, the, they had to go back into reshoots because Jim in the office didn't have enough like serious faced uh, shots in it. So, you know, unfortunately, it came out past the point that the Venezuelan coup had already been defeated. And so now we have a whole fucking another coup going on. So I know Jim from the office is pissed
1: naturally naturally and uh i just wanted to mention that like the domestic and foreign surveillance programs both uncovered by snowden with the muscular program and very like both uh, like i said domestically and internationally are vast and like these botnets with prism it was uncovered in the uk which is that we have the us has similar versions and so on and so forth so it's not you know wild speculation to suggest that the us is doing this, these things it's uh, pretty well uncovered but go ahead of there <laughs>
2: Okay. Yeah. So I was just going to say it. And when we look at that with that, right, it's not even that there's any speculation about it. It's just, it is what it is. This is what the U S does. This is U S playbook one-on-one, right? We as American citizens are aware of this, right? If you're in the heart of the empire, you have to be aware of the kind of things that your country is doing around the world, right? So I have in when when the news outlets report this, right? They did it really deceivingly. They're like, Oh, Evo Morales just stepped down just because he didn't wanna do anything wrong. Well, first of all, the Supreme Court of Bolivia decided that it was with, it was constitutional for him to run again. And second, he stepped down after the military said, either you do it or we kill you. Then right after he stepped down, even though they said, oh, yeah, no, we'll have new elections, an arrest warrant was put out for several of his uh, ministers, and people are trying to hunt him down and murder him. So he's having to seek asylum. Last I read he was seeking asylum in Mexico because that is what's going on. This is not in any way, shape, or form some kind of organic protest against a socialist indigenous uh, government. This is entirely astral term right so people are out here thinking like well and i mean if you look at and you look at some of the news stories coming out right now look at germany right look at germany germany goes in and is now has access and control of essentially bolivia the lithium in bolivia which is which is a salt right it's lithium salts so they end up being in bright like briny lakes and things like that and you have to go and do some other shit in order to get it but that's a precious precious Uh, Morales nationalized the gas reserve I believe either nationalized or protected I was like we're just not going to get into this And so because the US and other western countries Did not have access to the oil And other natural resources in this country This is what happens right Like, This is not in any way shape or form Some kind of You know like I said organic protest And when you look at what's going on with the police there They're cutting the indigenous flag of Bolivia Off of their patches And putting it back on the 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 fucking fascist in chief over there is you know they demolished his house he's they lowered the indigenous flag and are screaming that they're going to bring the Bible back to the you know the president's house or whatever the, whatever it's called in Bolivia I don't know right but you have this right wing fascist Christian authoritarian government coming in and people are literally going to die people are literally going to die and I saw so many fucking white liberals. I've loved the protest aesthetic of Bolivia, right? They had no idea what was actually going on, but they see the protest aesthetic and they're like, oh yeah, anybody protesting anywhere must mean people are bad, right?
0: No, I agree. I think that the, really when it comes to a lot of situations, especially what's going on in Bolivia currently, it's like the complexity that people feel exists there is manufactured complexity. The situation is actually pretty pretty simple. It's, it's simple, cut and dry. And it's simple in the sense that like, both in the short term and it's also simple in, the, in like contextually, where people feel like it's complicated is they feel as though it's difficult to make. Uh, well, a, I think America has done a good job. American foreign policy wonks and American sort of uh, the foreign policy bog standard American neoconservatives have done a good job of making people feel as though foreign policy is this super arcane thing that you can't understand unless you are so deeply enmeshed within the security state. That it's, you know, that more or less you, you either have to believe that um, you have to really have it been indoctrinated in neoconservative foreign policy in order to be an expert on it, or else you're going to be dismissed as someone who doesn't understand what's going on. The situation in Bolivia is not that complicated, at least, again, in the short term, it's, you know... Evo Morales, the first indigenous left-wing president of Bolivia, is and was an incredibly popular president figure. He ran, he wanted to run for re-election. Uh, there are term limits in Bolivia. The Supreme Court of Bolivia shot the term limits down as unconstitutional, so he ran again and he won. By all accounts, he was willing to do a re-election when people, when people contested whether or not he was going to win by the necessary 10% of the vote that was necessary to be declared president of Bolivia. It's you know more or less that simple. The opposition party decided they were going to burn some of the ballots and just stage a coup instead, right? And of course, as Adair mentioned earlier, the U.S., security apparatus has been funneling money into Bolivia for dark, for dark wing social media and communications ops for a while. And we're probably seeing a lot of that. I, I I hope we're not seeing my tax dollars pay fruition when it comes to these kind of bots. Cause they fucking suck, man. Like these bots are worse than the bots that were Hillary Clinton was using in 2016. Absolute shit tier copy and paste responses. Um, But really, you know, this kind of narrative about every, Every leader we don't like in the global South being a dictator or having one in an illegitimate election should this narrative should ring bells. And I think where a lot of people feel like there's complexity is because, A, they don't want to come across as the conspiratorial leftist. And we've talked about this on the show before, where it's like so many things that occur fit neatly within the essentially the history of what the cia or fbi or police or government does but because part of power part of being indoctrinated by power is making people feel awkward about Implicating or judging people based on their past action, even when it makes a lot of sense, because hell, they do this. They do this all the time, right? You know, they have the CIA has a history of staging coups, has a history of dark operations involving social media, involving bot networks. But to say that out loud sounds conspiratorial, and so people kind of shy away from for it in favor of a different kind of narrative that is like, oh well, maybe there is just the uh, you know organic. Uprising of Bolivians that are just burning indigenous flags, but like, but maybe that they have the popular support. Of course, they're being met with counter protesters who are in favor of Morales right now, and hopefully those counter protesters win. But I think the second aspect of it is one that is a little bit less rooted in just our lazy understanding of, or rather fear of becoming implicated by being wrong about a foreign policy situation. And it's the second where it's like the reason these bots exist and the reason they pretend to be from Bolivia. Is because the dominant way we understand systemic or social problems is through the narratives of people we think are on the ground or have the most experience and on the show we talk about why that's not always the best way to do it and i think this is one of those examples for why that isn't because you have a hundred thousand bots in your fucking mentions or i do in my mentions saying well how can you say what's going on in bolivia you're not even a bolivian it's like well you know i can read Right. And at a certain point, I think that this is one of the best examples I can you know lob at somebody for why the, you know, the radical standpoint of epistemology, why like radical, you know, cultivated narrative from people who theoretically have experienced the thing you want to know about systemically are flawed, because if I were to believe that that's the only way that that was the best way that that was the primary way to understand what's going on in Bolivia I would be left sitting with my hands like you know my hands under my ass because hey I have a hundred thousand bots saying that this is not a coup that Morales is not you know a friend of nature or the indigenous people those exact that exact line word for word that's the way it is being handed down as part of a script because it probably is Versus a series of indigenous people, a series of left wing Bolivians, a series of people who, you know, a series of government officials who were part of a left wing party that were democratically elected being being ousted saying, no, this is absolutely a coup. What's going on? Oh, my God, they're killing us. And I would just expect, well, one side says one thing, the other side says the other thing. And that's not a functional way to understand any problem. And, you know, at a certain point, you know there is amount of privilege that comes from being able to go like, okay, well, I guess I just can't figure out what's going on because it's so complex, but there is no complexity here. We I mean even when it comes to the term limit thing, we saw the same we saw the same thing happen in 09 in Honduras, right? The same thing happened in 09 in Honduras when we supported the United States supported a coup in Honduras because the left wing elected leader at the time hinted at wanted to wanting to extend the term limits of what was of the country and they they were overthrown by right-wing fucking foreign reactionary dictatorship that did end up abolishing the term limits and we never heard mum from that again right and just the final point i'd make yeah it it seems as though this has a lot to do with the lithium the natural resource deposits of you know bolivia seem to be the cause it's always i mean not not as the natural resource deposits of bolivia seem to be the primary cause of what's going on right now because lithium as we know is used for a lot of sort of new agey kind of uh, technology especially green technology electric car batteries phone batteries etc and so i think that you know as we mentioned in a, a previous episode as we move further into a green technology revolution you know the oil the oil wars of the early 20th century the mid-20th century even the late 20th century and the late 19th century are going to become the you know the more precious research resource this is a more precious mineral uh wars like copper iron things that can be used for green technology we have to be careful about these narratives that were once used to sell us for why we had to use you know why national security and human rights and uh protecting protecting the environment necessitated us taking over the oil fields of certain countries and those are going to just become like well why do we have to like you know take over the lithium the lithium lakes of fucking bolivia now
1: well, it's, it's we had uh, with Venezuela we got Elliot Abrams and Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump selling us on their determined and dogged nature to bringing democracy to South America. It's, that alone should like throw up so many red flags that people shouldn't. It, it should be right away simple that whatever anything that the U.S. is supporting in South America is never in the interest of democracy unless that democracy is in the interest of the corporations that the American united states
0: doesn't even, uh, doesn't even support democracy <laughs> in the united states <laughs>
1: right <laughs> like it, it, it's a it's a tool of oligarchs in the united states and so that's the only type of democracy that they will support elsewhere uh, and so that alone should obviously send triggers i think you both uh, did an excellent job of laying out a lot of the various details that kind of uh, as you said uh, make this rather clear-cut and simple and specifically i think part of the issue that a lot of liberals are having is trying to find a way to continue to accept the narrative that's being fed to them from the media sources that they consume for their other political uh, stuff and then as well as the idea that they're pro-democracy while also using a mil like supporting the side that used the military to avoid an election that the other guy won to replace him by continuing to refuse an election and the other guy having the supreme court rule his election legal or his going for election to be legal and to have won it by essentially what the polls were showing as well. Uh <laughs> like so it's it's not even like the anomalies that the AO or the the organization uh, the OAS uh is talking about aren't even really like they don't don't even it, don't the exist. idea that the fraud yeah, exactly. The idea that this fraud just does not even match uh doesn't match with the results, the polling, the anything about it in, and as uh Derek points out, it doesn't really just doesn't exist. And to believe them takes a level of willful or uh, suspension of disbelief and willful ignorance about uh, their actions and roles in international uh, affairs throughout the, their history that I in it takes such a degree of it that it, it's really hard to maintain and so I think uh, a lot of liberals are, are kind of floundering because it it's, it comes really quickly – it comes apparent very quickly whether people have been paying any attention to South America uh, or – and then if not South America specifically, then the same narrative that we see repeatedly through these kind of capitalist schemes uh, that uh, manifest both uh, primarily driven by the United States but also other Western nations and so forth. But I, I – I, to me one of the things that i see in bolivia is why capitalism has to be defeated in that like we mentioned the lithium mining and specifically uh, it comes down to both uh, socialist ownership of the lithium mines versus private ownership of the lithium mines and then also whether the lithium is to be produced and exported or if there's going to be a real uh, attempt to uh, export the lithium in more uh, advanced weight, uh, states like batteries or other electronic devices, which also is an important part uh, what uh, uh, J- Chad mentioned, which is the role that lithium is going to play in the Green Revolution. And the one of the concerns that's been on my mind uh, perpetually ever since I heard about the Green New Deal, uh, ironically, another f- You know, four term dictator, but that one in the United States. Anyway, uh, (laughs) uh, FDR. Anyway, but my point being is just that uh, uh, the the lithium, the role that it's going to play in the Green Revolution is important. and And my concern has been that the uh, there's a lot of people definitely obviously liberals but then uh, that would support somewhere in the range of uh, a warren or a, uh, a booty candid- candidacy but uh real, real quick. that they're going to exploit the global south uh, uh, in order to perpetuate some sort of green notion and this is the type of bipartisan uh imperialism and uh constant warfare that w- that concerns me about i seeing i'm seeing it happen before my house. go ahead
2: right so here's the thing about the green new deal and about newer green technology, it doesn't have to use lithium like that's one of the biggest things that a lot of material scientists have been doing is they have been researching ways to create renewable energy without having to rely on you know precious earth on, on, on in this case an alkaline earth metal right and lithium right you don't have to look for those things that are that are not they are finite right so there's um somebody made a photovoltaic, right? That's made out of glass. So it's your glass window pane, the sunlight comes through and makes electricity out of that. There's so many ways in material science, there's so much opportunity for material science in order to make an a, an actual green revolution and not just a rehashing, not just green imperialism, which is I agree, which is 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 my biggest fear. With America and this idea that we're going to have a Green New Deal, but it, for who? Right. That's the biggest question that in America you have to ask. In the West, in general, you have to ask when your politicians are promising you, "Hey, we're going to do something great. It's going to be great, but for who? Who?" I
1: would just point out quickly minutes? that uh, a Green New Deal that exploits the global South is on my optimistic side of uh, predictions for the future. But go ahead. Well, I would, I would. You-
0: Okay, I would just point out that a lot of the, the a lot of the things in the Green New Deal, a lot of the Leaders in the global south who we have been trying to depose are more or less on the side of fighting climate change. A lot of people can, you know, you can see a lot of the uh, the ideas in the Green New Deal that we are currently trying to mobilize right now coming from Morales himself, uh, a few from when he's sp- uh, from a- apparently uh, according to Naomi Klein, from when he spoke in front of the UN a few years ago. So a lot of the stuff that we're doing, uh, you know, abroad when it comes to deposing. Deposing democratically elected leftist leaders and installing fascist puppet dictatorships, whether it be, in, you know, helping fascists in Brazil, helping fascists in the, in uh, in uh, Honduras, is directly is directly having an impact on the environment. I mean, let's talk about Brazil and the burning of the Amazon rainforest. And I think that's the second part of this, right, too where I, I, just, uh, I think that initially the lithium was supposed to go to China <laughs> but it's now going to Germany I think initially Evan Morales had sold it to China.
1: Surely the contracts are in the air now but it was uh, they had the most recent d- developments were that uh, Germany had been pushed out uh, and China had been uh, brought in and uh, the other part there's environmental racism was another aspect of uh, the, the thing that I just wanted to mention that was Going to definitely be harder to achieve under Morales' administration than whoever uh, the West plans on replacing him with. And
2: here's the thing, too: like when I when I talk about like material sciences, material scientists working on this kind of stuff all all day long, like that is what they're doing. Material science has made huge, 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 huge step forward. And so, sure, everybody in the like people in the global south they're experiencing those changes faster than anybody else. And so, of course, right, we're going to advocate, hey, anything we can do to slow down this impending climate collapse that is first and foremost going to affect us. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, we have to look at the broader context of which that is happening. The broader context of we've given people essentially no choice but to say either climate's going to collapse, your country's going to be absolutely devastated, and millions and millions and millions of people are going to die, or, you know, here's some green imperialism that we can do in order to, you know, stymie that. And sometimes you're put in between a rock and a hard place. Not to say that I think Evo Morales was ever saying, oh, I'll take green imperialism any day of the week, right? But that is to say that America and the, and the First World and the developed nations have done this, have done things in such a way that when it comes to a Green Deal, New Deal, the Global South has no choice. It's, it's a Green New Deal for the West or people are, or climate collapse that's going to first and foremost affect those folks, and so, when we talk about a new green new deal in this country and in, uh, and in Europe and wherever else in the West, we have to actually take a step back, sit down, and look at how we're going to get there. We have to look. We have to actively fight against the imperialist tendencies of our countries, of Western culture, and say, "Look, how are we going to solve this problem in a way that doesn't require us to exploit the global South?" Right, and that's a requirement of us. Not necessarily – right, it's, the, it's also a requirement of our politicians and folks like that. But you should know better than to expect politicians to do anything but act in the interests of, of corporations. So it ends up becoming incumbent on the people to revolt, to actively take to the streets, do whatever ever is possible and necessary in order to actually affect a real Green New Deal, one that is not just about – it's not just, just the climate – but it's just to the global south. It's just to everyone that's being affected by the excesses of, excesses of American companies in the U.S. military. We have to be really, really prudent on that and can't just accept whatever is thrown our way.
1: I just wanted to mention that is like one of the reasons that there's such resistance for a sustainable Green New Deal that doesn't exploit the global South and that employs some of the newer technologies that you're talking about is because it becomes, they're familiar with this model of, you know, natural resource and country, you know, exploit people to mine, then, you know, and, and so on and so forth to exploit the system and to capitalize off of it that way. Whereas uh, something that was truly sustainable, that was more organic and more uh, locally and socially based is much harder in order to, extract so much wealth out of and so they're going to to the the you know those interests are going to resist it at at every turn go ahead
0: well yeah i would only add that you know it's you know green imperialism eco-fascism there's different words for the same thing ultimately but in reality you know what we're seeing is new narratives being uh or, you know, papered over old imperatives, right? So, like, there are only two reasons why we ever support coups, or you know, rather, two justifications for why we ever support coups, or why we ever uh, destabilize regions or occupy regions. It's because we're going to bring human rights slash democracy to the global south, to people who don't have it. We've never done that. We don't even bring democracy to fucking black communities in fucking Atlanta. So I don't know how we're going to bring democracy to fucking Bolivia, or Iran, or... Any number, any other country that's sitting on a natural or democratic republic of Congo, despite the name, of course. Like because, frankly, we're not that interested in spreading democracy here, so it's impossible for us to do it abroad. And two, it's the national security grift, right? So people are very familiar with the human rights grift, but national security grift is perhaps a more a more esoteric one. It's the one where we say that you know it's within the boundaries of what you know our national defense to combat to combat. Our lack of access to resources that we need in order to feed our military, feed our war machine, feed our country. And that was one of the reasons why we uh, a lot of other countries occupied oil in the Middle East for the early and mid part of the 20th century, uh, either using it or preventing it from being used in favor of domestic oil and carbon deposits. And that's what it looks like in some cases it might lead to being as we move forward into the 21st century in terms of preventing people from using oil or needing access to other natural resources that could be used to make more green technology. And that's why when people, you know, I'm thinking of Warren specifically at this time, but it's not only her who position the climate crisis as a national security crisis foremost and not as like an existential human crisis that becomes a vaguely problematic. Thing to do because it's being framed in the same, essentially, the same genre of of issue that has always led to imperialistic impulses in the past, as opposed to the you know the latter existential human crisis, which is what it is, obviously, because it's affecting the entire globe, not just one country is you know like wait death basically it demands a global cooperation this is one of the things like the global climate crisis is something that demands fucking uh is demands cooperation and i say i have to say this i hope that jill stein stages a coup in america um with all the money that she stole from dead-end Hillary Clinton fans in the aftermath of the 2016 election, it stages a coup here and, and ushers in a whole new era of green technology after I would what I would assume is a summary execution of many, many oil fucking barons. Because that's the only way anything is gonna change. But it's funny that if a coup were to have happened after let's say two thousand and the Bush administration, Jeb Bush and the people of Florida essentially being disenfranchised and having the election stolen, we would not have allowed that. Even though I would argue that everything that's going on in Bolivia right now, every you know single thing people are citing as a reason why the coup there is legitimate and why we should allow it and why it's not technically a coup, is not nearly nearly as bad as what happened in two thousand. It's not nearly as bad as what happens any other time in America to be perfectly honest. It's just it just comes with the lens of well, foreign countries are just inherently unstable, and foreign countries don't have the, or rather, foreign people don't, should not, or cannot have the agency to elect a leftist leader because if they do, it's viewed as illegitimate inherently. I think that's where people need to start understanding that the, like every leftist leader around the world will always be illegitimate. It just so happens that in certain countries like in the global south, um, we are much we are much more able to destabilize them. I have no deny. I, I'm of of the mind where if certain left-leaning European countries tried to do what they have did 50, 60 years ago, now, and were primarily occupied by brown people, we would destabilize them too. But we can't. <laughs> and so I think that the narrative of it simply being a left thing or simply being about the natural resources is, is true. And it, that might be the core of it. But I think that there are various other intersecting narratives, very other, various other intersecting um, mentalities that go into it. Just like with neoconservatism, yeah, like the military industrial complex, the desire to sell weapons, the desire to make weapon manufacturers money might be the driving force and also the secure natural resources might be a driving force behind a lot of what happens. but. Ultimately, the way it's sold to people, the way people internalize it comes from this, you know, bigotry of low expectations and just bigotry altogether of assuming that people in the global South are incapable of Enacting any positive change for themselves without it being illegitimate and expecting that they will go through some sort of radical, uh, violent restructuring in order to make them more, res- more, make, rather, make them better resemble the kind of government that we think that they should have, which is, uh, far right, incredibly fucking, uh, punitive militaristic and largely in service of multinational corporations
1: yeah i think it's that last one that that is really key i feel like they're willing to concede a little bit of the others in so much as they don't undermine the last uh one of the things that comes to my mind uh, is the the green revolution before the green revolution around cannabis and how that's been adopted. Essentially, you know, they've taken uh, what was uh, at one point a radical uh, left wing type uh, endeavor, you know, talking about the legalization, decriminalization of cannabis and uh, started uh, well on the way into the integration into the you know corporate uh, capitalist system in such a way that uh, it becomes less sustainable. Uh, from a previously more sustainable model in that by trying to restrict the amount of uh, growers by trying to uh, limit uh, the ownership and the retail space and so on and so forth they're trying to uh, essentially co-opt people that thought that they were you know radical leftist hippies or whatever and then they ended up uh, getting duped into supporting Uh, what turned out to be uh, right-wing, capitalist-focused efforts to legalize or decriminalize cannabis in a lot of various states and some of them were resisted and uh, stopped more uh, some of the more recent ones which is i think good but they are still trying in various states especially the states that are further behind on cannabis uh, well i just want
0: to bring up i just want to bring up one thing since you know in my it's part of the conversation i think it's in, even more fucked up that as we're having this conversation about whether or not something that is very clearly a coup that's going on in the global south very clearly a coup is going on in the global south that we are either tacitly or explicitly support Uh, either by the words of the president or the money that we have funneled into right wing uh, operations in, you know, essentially Bolivia and other parts of global south to make coups like this much easier, much more likely to happen in order to better represent our interests down there. Is that like that's all happening with the backdrop of us uh, still talking about the sanctity of our own elections as it pertains to Russia and Russian interference and how that and how you know you have this kind of liberal brain trust that in the aftermath of 2016 you know decided that they were essentially like deep state operative fucking code breaker. Uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch and whatever that fucking movie where he plays Alan Turing with all the the, the British secretaries. I've never I've, I don't watch the movies is like they decide that they were able to crack this fucking multi-decade Manchurian candidate mystery that centers Putin as the greatest chess master in the fucking fucking universe, essentially. Uh despite you know us again being in charge of a country that has the gross domestic product of like the state of Georgia or less honestly maybe the state of Alabama if you can consider Alabama a state um uh like they 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 believe they figured that out that that to them is a multi-layered mystery uh better than any Scooby Doo episode that I've ever seen except for the one that got cut where Velma and Daphne make out a little bit um They figured that out. And that's clear cut and dry to them. Putin bought a bunch of memes on Facebook, and so he overthrew American democracy. And that—that's all it takes to overthrow American democracy. But this, this, what's going on in Bolivia? This escapes their fucking mental bandwidth. They can't—they can't figure it out. It's too complicated for them. It's too complicated for just for them to see, like police and military marching in the street, burning the second national flag of Bolivia, which represents many indigenous people, while while the only people who seem to be supporting the coup. Are people whose fucking lithium mines were stolen, were taken from them when Morales came into power? You know, a la uh, a la, you know, Fidel Castro stole my plantation and slaves. Uh, which you know, when he came into power in Cuba, they 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 can't figure this out. And to me, like that, that speaks such volumes about the way in which we a we believe the sovereignty of American elections is so 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 important and so sacred and can never be questioned even when like i said 2008 and 2000 2016 is basically just fucking bullshit honestly um but the sovereignty of other people's countries the sovereignty of their elections the veracity of their elections is basically up to our whim and they and like they don't think it's okay. I don't think you could ever explicitly say that they think it's okay, but there doesn't seem to be a uh, internalization that these two facts are A, diametrically opposed, and B, they can't exist in the same world with each other because one, the latter, the idea that we have the ability to destabilize government abroad, you know, essentially... Uh, is access the predicate for other countries destabilizing us or trying to destabilize us, right? But but the idea that we might deserve that, that we might deserve the consequences of acting on the national stage as a great destabilizer is it's one that is entirely foreign. Along with the their inability to even associate the fact that hey, you know, this is essentially a coup, like America stages coups abroad. I like think like we get a free toaster over for every tenth one, 10 one we do.
1: Oh, I just point out that uh, the U.S. typically doesn't have international observers uh, to monitor our elections uh, to make sure they're legitimate. But one of the organizations that they did have make sure that the 2016 uh election was legitimate happened to be the organization of american states the oas which happens to also be the main organization saying that this was that morales's election was illegitimate i just thought i'd mention right that.
2: and so one of the reasons why america doesn't have uh anybody monitor our elections is because we all know that election monitoring is just a pretext for a coup uh, election monitoring is nothing short of uh, of you know, an armed thug outside of the voting box telling you that you're going to vote this way or it's not going to count. And I'm going to beat you up and take all your money after you're done right? Like there's <sighs> American imperialism will run will run unchecked and to talk to touch on what you talked about a little bit er- earlier, Richard. There can't be any kind of true justice in the world so long as capitalism is around capitalism is in and of itself an injustice and it thrives on injustice It it needs injustice in order to, to make things work that's part of why cannabis is illegal that's part of why sex work is illegal that's part of why so many things right are illegal not because they are inherently harmful to human society, but because they are inherently harmful to the capital to the capitalist class. Because they, or either they're harmful, or they, they, the in the case of um, things like cannabis Canada, and sex work being illegal, they add people to prisons, right? Which are in is in and of itself now a capitalist uh, paradise, right, with private prisons. But also slave labor, right? It's an it's an endless supply of cheap of free labor, essentially, right, that you don't have to really worry about, and that the conditions are such that they're most likely going to have to come back to prison because that's how America has set it up, because everything is in in favor of the capitalists, and until such a time that a revolution happens, until such a time we move to a, a, a communist government, we're never going to be rid of these injustices. Capitalism is incompatible with justice just by definition.
1: And we know specifically that the drug war was a part of the Nixon administration's attempt to basically silence political opposition by criminalizing uh, something that they did. It had nothing to do with the safety. And we know all the propaganda that was around with the reefer madness and stuff that preceded it as well. But like uh, the this is a old playbook. And, and they like a lot of times they don't even change the plays. It's the same same shit different day.
0: Oh, no, they haven't changed the playbook at all. Like, I recall being, uh, you know, I recall being treated to responses to my, you know, they're trying to stage a coup in Venezuela tweet. Um, what, maybe, what was that, three, four months ago? When did fucking that new um, Fortnite clone come out, Apex Legends? Whenever that came out, like, that was when I the Venezuela coup was coming out, was happening, because I, I recall it happening. Um, and... Same same game releases me. is also how I track time ago on. Yeah, game releases in my bulking cutting schedule is how I track your time. So, like, I recall the like the responses I got. Right? I even made a joke. It's like, you know, Jose Caracas 234777 seven, seven is, you know, in your mentions within five, six seconds of you tweeting and responding in, you know, it's not weird. A lot of countries, essentially most countries in the world have people who are bilingual in English and whatever their native language is. Um, you know, I will say in the global south you tend to have a lot of people who tend to be bilingual depending on their socioeconomic class, but with like Spanish and or Portuguese and Spanish and whatever, like the indigenous language they happen to also speak in that country is, and maybe English as well. But the number of people you have in your mentions within three, three, four minutes, you can, I mean, obviously you don't have as many followers as I have, which is not a critique. It's more of just a statement. So the number of people you have in your mentions within three minutes, even if the tweet itself has maybe 30 likes, no retweets yet who are like you don't know anything about Bolivia who are speaking in perfect who are typing in perfect English who have who whose accounts are either made in the last three months one month never ever before 2016 really um, and then you have of course you have a few people who do have real accounts I, I won't deny there are some I, I deny online because it's funny and those people are usually far right assholes so like it doesn't make a difference if they happen to be far right assholes in Bolivia or far right assholes here
1: yeah, um, rich you know, and who, spend like yeah. a month in their, the country that they're talking about and the other 11 in the U.S. But going,
0: yeah, I mean, the you people you have expats who left because their fucking their Like I said, their fucking lithium mine was taken, was seized by the socialist government of Bolivia or the far left government of Bolivia in mm-hmm. order to better, you know, better allocate its resources to the people, which is, you know, tends to be what socialist governments do in the global south. They, they put an end to monopolization of natural resources by a rich upper class. You know, those people exist. So, yeah, a lot of times, funny enough, they, they tend to be AstroTurf, like, Instagram ethos accounts who, like, are, like, in Germany or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> and they, and they'll have, like, 30 to 40,000 followers and they'll have blown out fucking, you know, uh, Instagram filter accounts and they'll just, like, you, why are you speaking about my, my people? And, like, it says, like, from, like, from Copenhagen, and you're like, Okay. <laughs> like, okay. Um, I mean, obviously you're allowed to travel. It's just funny to me this time because the C, like a lot of them were bots, and the CIA was trying to like woke well, shame me. Like I don't, you obviously haven't followed my Twitter for long enough to understand that that's not going to happen because that's like, the wrong they tree. Felt, yeah, well, you're barking up the wrong tree, agent. But it doesn't even matter. It really doesn't matter because they'll be going in six days, right? I mean, we can play this game in like. I don't mind seeming conspiratorial, as I've said before in the past, because I spent half of these episodes talking about flat earth theory or, like, other vague things that I found online about how baking blog baking blog moms are, like, part of the anti-vax movement, which they are, and I'm working on my screenplay for a Lifetime movie about a mommy blogger whose, you know, whose daughter at the age of 15 develops some sort of weird cognitive dysfunction because she gets a fucking Gardasil vaccine, but, you know, like it's it's a like, this pattern is exactly the same it, the pattern was so exactly the same that before it happened i tweeted hey am i going to get a lot of people who are inexplicably good at spanish and english and also have jose caracas uh you know blah 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 usernames and of course that happened and like a minute later i was like okay all i need left is the Instagram the Instagram E who isn't in Bolivia but has Bolivia but is Bolivian uh and that has thirty to forty K followers but no follower engagement, and somebody tweets at me in perfect Spanish, perfect grammatical Spanish, that with a tweet that insinuates because I can't read Spanish that I can't talk about Bolivia. Although I can read Spanish, and even if I couldn't, there's a fucking translate option in the literal app. Um, it's going off on like a little tangent there.
1: No, that's actually that's exactly what I was thinking about. It's just when you were just describing that before is just how like uh, amazing it is that like and how powerful the denial is that it, it overpowers the that description you mentioned of uh Trump so that they can imagine that, yes, in this case, he is acting and it's like, you know, it's like next, we're going to be like, you know, Donald Trump is a champion of uh, women's rights in Saudi Arabia. So
0: it's not denial, though. I don't think it's denial so much as it is, like you said, like I said, power and privilege enacting, requiring a certain level of lack of pattern recognition and a certain amount of compartmentalization. And by that, I mean. It, it requires the ability for people to pretend that the things that happen abroad have no effect at home and the things that might make someone bad at home, things that might make someone bad, not as a, as a moral statement, but like, you know, everyone has their own morality are, can be cordoned off into these little worlds, right? I think so much of the centrist mindset is one that requires that you believe things can be put in little buckets that have no that have no connection to one another, despite the fact that they love, you know, at least the center left loves to use the words intersectionality, which implies that things are connected. They just don't see those connections. They, In reality, when they say intersectionality, they, they actually mean what they see the world as, which is atomized. They see the world as atomized. They see the world as existing in little tiny bubbles that can be observed and engaged with at their leisure, because usually they tend to belong to populations that are insulated from the material concerns of the world in population, in social positions like jobs, like media, etc., where the problems that incur, occur in the world are more or less academic or, or like, you know, are academic concerns, concerns that are like observational as opposed to things that might deeply affect them.
1: Uh, even despite my deterministic views, uh, I find it incredibly hard to believe that it doesn't take like a... a quite a like heavy level of active engagement in order to maintain that kind of disconnect. But uh, I I appreciate the the kind of description. Here's the thing thing too, right?
2: Is I don't think you have to have active engagement Richard to maintain that level of disconnect. And here's why you are raised in a country that unabashedly does nothing but shove propaganda, propaganda down your throat all day, every motherfucking day that's what they do that is what america is really really good at and so it ends up implanting these kind of buzzwords in your head which is part of why so many americans they hear this idea they hear the word democracy right they hear pro-democracy and in america for however long you've been alive you've been told democracy is great What it's happening in america is democracy so when it comes on the news and they say rioters in bolivia or in China, or in any other country that's not white and Western, are pro-democracy, if you go out and you say, hey, I I don't agree with those people, suddenly you're the fascist. Suddenly you are anti-democracy and you hate freedom and you therefore, by extension, hate America and all of these other really horrible things. So there's incredibly serious social consequences, generally speaking, if you speak out against out against any kind of American propaganda. In part, you know, like Chad was saying, earlier, it's like, well, you know, I don't mind sounding conspiratorial, but you don't. Like in in all honesty, it's not it's not like we're out here spouting conspiracy theories. These are these are facts. These are a history, a, a trend, right? Of things that it's directly from the CIA playbook, and the CIA themselves have come out and admitted saying, "Hey, yeah, no, we did that in the '70s." But I mean, come on, guys, this can't be us now. It doesn't matter that it's the exact same thing we've done before, right? AKA Operation Condor, right? Like it's the exact same fucking playbook. But that can't be us. Now we're different. We like democracy. We're not going to go on over. Right. Like that's. um, I
1: don't know if you heard, but we had a black president once. Exactly. and So
2: that's why it's not hard. You don't have to be engaged. You just have to live in America. You just have to exist in this country without actively seeking out. Real information without actively seeking and learning and understanding what's going on, not just with American history, but with the contemporary. Not just about what they teach you in school, but also picking up a book, reading Marx, you know, reading other, reading other things, reading, reading other narratives, reading what other people are saying. Actively engaging with political theory really changes a person's perspective. However. Because America has also been so subdivided that we have this idea that unless you go to college and then go to graduate school and have a formal education in this very specific subject, you have no ground whatsoever to uh, speak on. But that's not the case. I would argue infinitely that the worker is has a better understanding of capitalism than the right-winger PhD with, uh, who has a PhD in economics, right? That right-winger with a PhD in economics has – an intellectual idea of what capitalism is, but they don't actually understand capitalism. Every worker understands capitalism inherently because you live it every single day, and that's one of the greatest tricks that America has pulled: is that this idea of, you know, education is the only way you can know what the hell you're talking about, and that's just not true. So no, you don't have to. You don't have no, to. No, I think that they're, I was just going to say. Of- Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say that there's an excellent manifestation of that with Frary in the book, in his book. Uh, he talks about how giving the text to a janitor and then a, a mom give it to her children, her child, and how they understood it. But then, uh, there's another interview on YouTube you can find with Noam Chomsky talking with uh, somebody at, I don't know, some Ivy League business school. And he's like, uh, you can tell he didn't get past the introduction. And he's like, oh, you know, it was, it was too hard to understand. And it's just like, that's an excellent example of exactly what you're talking about. Continue.
2: I just so that's that's what I'm saying, right? Is that's what America is, and that's part of why we see these patterns repeated throughout history, and nobody seems to stand up and want to do anything. That's why you see war every war criminal president we've ever had being rehabilitated. That's why you see these things, right? We think about it as mental gymnastics, but it's just training. If you if if you condition somebody from birth to believe these things and believe that you have to exist within this two party duopoly here in America and that capitalism is the only system and that if you're a democrat you must hate Republicans and all of these other things. If you can successfully and that's all that's pretty really what anybody's ever done, right? Like that's all America's done. It's conditioned each and every one of its citizens to behave like this until those citizens look outside the box. And then because you break away from cultural norms, people assume you're conspiracy theorists. When again they're the same agencies these people are extolling have come out and said, Yeah, no, we've totally done this before. And it's the exact same thing all over again.
1: I just wanted to say that I agree and that uh, I appreciate you kind of uh, laying it out in that way. It's just it gets hard to remember and feel that way because as the further I get from remembering being under that kind of indoctrination and like I'm just like, well, how are how are you seeing these things in the media and not wanting to respond by having to learn more? But go ahead
0: you know the word for it is, is is false consciousness right it's you know we talk about it all the time or rather the media has adopted a more personalistic psycho you know analytical term of it a, one that centers white women you know gaslighting right although i was just watching the movie gaslight because i heard a classic movie like a few weeks ago it's all right uh the the, the main woman it has a really thick neck i mean like good-looking, good-looking gal. Um,
1: I was going to say, I going to say that sounded erratic, but go on.
0: <laughs> no, no, I, I, like, I, like a, I like a lady with a thick neck. I'm big into giraffes. Um, uh, as, you know, you might have heard from the outtakes. Um, but no, like, it's you know, part of the problem with adopting the term gaslight and not using the term false consciousness, which is rooted in the other term hegemony, right? Which is what Adair is so eloquently describing here, is that like we're all socialized to believe certain things are true about ourselves, and certain things are true about our enemies, and certain things are true about people who are outside this group, right? And the dominant ideologies in America right now are neoconservatism and neoliberalism. You know, of course, people don't necessarily get that all the time because we do have what we would call the be- we would have what we call like neoliberals and neo conservatives who are like the people who most you know vehemently go out and proselytize regarding those hegemonic ideas but when someone like elizabeth warren comes out and says that she's a capitalist to her bones she means she's a neoliberal you know people don't identify as neoliberal people don't really identify as neocons because again those are hegemonic so you don't identify things that are hegemonic you kind of just like just are really really into american values essentially um And so, like, it it can make you feel... It's supposed to make you feel crazy. It's supposed to feel like you're being, quote-unquote, gaslit. But we should resist that term because the term gaslighting is so much more akin to... The personalistic experience of having someone like Trump get on TV and lie to you about whether or not he molested somebody or whether or, you know, having someone get up on stage and lie to you personally about, you know, it's basically gaslighting or something. It's like you're lying to me, but you're also oppressing me. Which is, again, a lot of our media's engagement, a lot of our centrist media's engagement with the Trump administration is they feel as though they are personally being aggrieved by his lack of decorum and his lack of ability to put a nice, pretty, you know, black face on American imperialism. Uh, essentially, you know, when it comes to hegemony and being in false consciousness, it is it really is just that feeling of like, well, why aren't these lessons sticking? You know, why aren't these lessons that we keep learning? Why aren't these patterns that we keep seeing? Why is no one else noticing them? And at a certain point, you have to realize that unless somebody comes out and they say like Adair and like I and like Richard has said, I'm anti-imperialist. America has a history of doing this shit. They have a history of assassinating black people. I'm not crazy. I can go on the Wikipedia page and see this shit. That's so why I know it's true. Um, you know, I can read it in a thousand books. They don't even deny it. You can read, you can read about the the CIA uh, you can read a book about the CIA's coups on the CIA.gov.com because it was in Osama bin Laden's fucking you know fucking library, which they and they posted all that shit up there, so it's there on their own website, so you can read it, you know. But it's that feeling of like if you're just a normal everyday person, even if you're a normal everyday person who is theoretically tasked with informing other people, like you're a news anchor, or you're a, a columnist, you know, unless you have actually sat down and reflected upon these hegemonic ideals, you're gonna sit there and you're gonna feel a certain twinge of like well this, this can't really be what's happening can it This can't, and I think that that is felt more strongly to people on the left than it is to people at the center or people on the far right obviously because the people on the left are resisting this thing they, you know they're pointing it out as, as a problem but you know you have people in, on the center left and people who are a little bit further to the right but still I would consider to be leftist than we are who are struggling with Bolivia and who struggle with Venezuela and who struggle with the many foreign intervention the many America's many other bullshit things because like there is still that part of them that does not want to be seen as like wrong or un- or like unfairly attributing what's going on in the global south to American interference because and they've constructed a series of left-sounding narratives like oh you know if you say America's doing a coup that's just denying the agency of actors on the global south and it's the, you know you have to listen and center the voices of Bolivians and who cares if it happens to be the Bolivians who own who all the lithium mines and everyone else is, you know, the, the indigenous Bolivian people are seem to not be the ones who are name-searching name searching Bolivia in, you know, in our uh, you know, like responding to random people online, you know, like you have to you know, like they're like they're still struggling with really coming to terms with the fact that, like, yeah, you know, a lot of this shit, a lot of stuff you've been, you've been like conditioned to believe inherently, a lot of those deep down feelings that you have when you want to critique what's going on in America, like, is are just like, you know, you've just been lied to, right? You know, like, it's fine, and I think again, I think being black helps. I think being not. I think, I think already being one standard deviation for lack of a better term away from like the ideal American and already being under like the weight of the boot helps you understand just how deep the lies go. Because at a certain point you have to acknowledge that like the, a lot of the lies that go on domestically are about you. <laughs> like they're about you and your pe- they're about you and your people, and yes, they are being told in service of furthering a lot of reactionary domestic policy, whether it be about guns or policing or you know immigration or whatever. But some of them are just being told. And I think this is where I was getting at earlier when it comes to like not reducing what's going on in Bolivia or any kind of foreign in- intervention to its to-, to its its solely materialist and deterministic elements, because like that may be true. You know, it may be true that a lot of the narratives that go on about black people in America have to, you know, at least modern, you know, forget their roots in slavery and a lot of stuff have to do with like, you know, expanding the police industrial complex, extending the, you know, for profit prison industry. But at a certain level, when we're engaging with the hegemony and we're engaging with the false consciousness that is, you know, in reading this and these things, it's like, that's not how people understand them, right? A lot of people just think that black people are bad right? A lot of black people think black people are bad. A lot of people are conditioned to think that black people are more prone to criminality. They're conditioned to think that, you know, Iran is, uh, you know, is basically a caliphate for some reason, <laughs> you know, populated entirely by terrorists. You know, they're conditioned to think lots of things that unless they actually sit down and like, and are forced to in- engage with them, they're going to, interpret the world that way and it leads to a lot of unfortunate elements of unsurety when the when the like everything is mostly sure like i I would argue that the bolivian situation is pretty simple and that the nuance people that some people are calling for the complexity some people are calling for is you know it's detailed without changing the overall it's it's details without changing the the conclusion right like you know you're turning uh you know a, a, a three paragraph essay into an entire book but the the thesis and the conclusion are exactly the same is that this is a coup and it's a coup because because of x y and z reasons that you can engage in more hist- history and you can add more elements to it but it doesn't change what's happening and i think that people a lot of times when it comes to foreign policy even domestic policy they get easily bogged down with the idea like adair says that they don't know the entirety of the history of what's happening but that's not necessarily what's necessary for you to come to the right conclusion sometimes sometimes it just takes you know again basic basic pattern recognition which again is not just to counter what i just said it's not a reason to not learn history or not engage more deeply with the material and social and cultural circumstances that led to it it's just to like you know don't let that be the reason why you don't stand on, you don't pick a side because that's kind of the point, right? The One of the aspects of power, at least in keeping people from making, like keeping people from opposing it, is convincing them that they don't have enough information yet, right? I think we talked about that one episode of two episodes ago where it's like, hey, a lot of people are convinced that all it takes for change to happen is for enough people to have enough information to finally make the right decision at the, at the voting box. It's like, no, I guarantee most people have enough information right now to make 99, 90, 95% of the right decisions. That information is just being filtered through a lens that doesn't necessarily, isn't conducive to making that decision.
1: Yeah, not showing up is usually the right decision but like I was just gonna say that uh, like uh, the CIA's incompetence versus the kind of leftists that are struggling in their ability to make an argument for why they should why uh, you should side with the protesters is an interesting dynamic you know it's like I don't know if it's comforting or just dis- or, or more concerning but uh, I, I just thought it was interesting and then I think the point you make about how this for uh, for I know it is for me and for probably some other other black leftists, particularly, or other marginalized people, from as you mentioned, that are used to being at some stage under the boot, uh, basically just kind of seeing these things and is like, oh, it's happening to them too, huh? Like it, it, it doesn't take some sort of rapid, you know, explanation to re like to maintain this uh, idea of America as this operator of peace and and freedom and all these kinds of things uh, it's just like oh you know this is this exploitive system that you know enslaves and uh, punitively uh, you know targets people and so on and so forth is now set its sights on this group of people and are preventing them from defending themselves through these means yeah okay that that sounds right that matches up to this example this example this example and this example so uh, yeah that, that all sounds about right and then so when somebody says well you don't know what's happening it's like well I mean I appreciate the effort to you know, kind of bring in the realm of like quantum physics and like uncertainty principle to try and make an argument for why this might not be a coup this time. But, you know, we actually see these things and, and it, it, it like, you know, as you mentioned being gas or all these types of uh, various ways that we can kind of describe the experience. It, it is, uh, you know, uh, it makes people uncomfortable and so i think it is important that we confront those that discomfort and with that confrontation should be you know more enlightenment rather than reticence and you know uh grinding down into a uh, position that is based on an ignorance and a perpetuation of those same indoctrinating systems
0: I will just say I changed my mind. I don't want Jill Stein to stage a in America. I want Marion Williamson to stage a coup in America. I want her. I want her to take a, to do some sort of crystal magic.
1: Going to say crystals for everyone.
0: <laughs> crystal, crystal, a crystal in every pot. Uh, you know, a Mercury is no longer ever going to be in retrograde anymore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at that point, no, I, I would, think it would be fucking funny. Like, if, like, if we were just became like a weird crystal theocracy like a weird military theocracy but instead of like christianity or i don't know islam it's just like new agey bullshit bushwick crystal magic like america goes from being like the world's like shittiest actor on the global scale to america's shittiest actor on the global scale but with crystals like we like we stage like fucking coups in countries that have incredibly big quartz deposits america needs more smoky quartz to balance out these fucking bad vibes but you guys can have the last the last thoughts on this one as long as those, those, those thoughts are not the ones in my mentions who are CIA thoughts because CIA thoughts ain't cute and I'm going to stop paying my motherfucking taxes unless the CIA can actually get some you know, real fine honeys to, to bully me online when I make reductive statements about foreign foreign countries Richard?
1: Oh just uh continue to let them know that trying to do these types of things in Bolivia is going to mean disrupting their ability to continue their exploitive practices domestically as well by like as uh, Adair pointed out protesting and uh, resisting in the real sense
0: Definitely. I mean, I think some people are out there saying that like, oh, you know, you should be careful about what's going on in Bolivia, and what's going on in Venezuela, what's going on in the global south when it comes to like a theoretical left wing president in America, even if it's like, let's say a Bernie Sanders type figure who is not particularly left. I don't know if on the scale of left, he is more on the left than Evo Morales is probably not. Maybe, maybe, maybe like closely equivalent if you like sort of factor for issues. So, but I don't think there'd ever be a coup in America, right? I don't think that there'd ever be a military coup in America. I think that we have more. We have more effectively. Rather for there to be a quit America He would have to do some real like Hardcore shit that I would that I would Support (laughs) like he'd have to do some real Hardcore shit in terms of like Actively trying to reorganize The government and remove The kind of uh, stalemated Congress out of power in favor Of a more you know not even like for Getting rid of Congress or abolishing Congress but like Replacing the individual Members with people who are actually doing their job And for there to be and maybe abolishing The Supreme Court that'd be fucking awesome but I suppose the packing it, which is kind of just like the lame, the inevitable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a hard narrative for people to understand that like because of American exceptionalism, which is part of neoconservatism, they did it like things that we do abroad might have an effect on America. I think that when you look at what Kissinger said about the global South being a place without history, uh, not in the sense they literally don't have history, but they don't have a place within our history in like a shaping our world is one that people have a hard time you know, grasping as being illegitimate Because they have a hard time understanding that A lot of, the, I was trying to explain to a friend of mine Who's not from here, who's not from America Who's from, like, you know, essentially a homogenous More or less, not homogenous, but a racially Homogenous country in Europe About, like, why America doesn't have Nice things. Well, at first I was trying to explain to them how health insurance works. I was trying to explain to them like oh, What a deductible is, and they were like, what the fuck Are you talking about? And, I, and it took, like, 30 minutes For me to go through, like, American health insurance And, like, open enrollment or other shit uh, but like, you know, having to explain, I've been to explaining some to on a sense that like, you know, look, America doesn't have a lot of nice things because like at a certain point, America, American leaders were able to essentially, I'm not going to put this away. It doesn't sound like I'm being an asshole, but I thought to be an asshole. It's like they were able to start a narrative that was geared towards making people question rather oh sorry not America is a weird country you know in a lot of ways what's going on in Bolivia is kind of what is weird about America too where America has people, Black people, you know, non-white people, uh, non-straight people who have real claims to citizenship, better claims to citizenship than a lot of white people here. You know, my, my American, my family is specifically is like seventh generation American. We've been here since they were whipping us, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, they still are. Uh, but uh, like, but, you know, a lot of reasons we don't have things in America can be attributed to the fact that we had to have a conversation about stuff like about who is deserving of certain things that a lot of places in Europe didn't have to have for better or worse for a long time. You know, I paid places in Europe that have, you know, single payer healthcare that have, you know, more, socialist leaning policies in scandinavia are mono-ethnic no, mono-racial definitely but mostly mono-ethnic so they didn't really have to have conversations like we had in the 80s and 70s and 60s and 50s and 40s about whether or not certain inborn populations deserve to have access to resources that other ones did and so a lot of that led to us not having things that other countries have, right? You know, and the biggest you know, and ethnicizing a problem, making a problem seem like it is the specific, you know, albatross or burden of an ethnic group. Like I would say like the like the that da- like the no Dapple, like the Dapple pipeline that just burst recently and polluted a bunch of fucking rivers, is a good way to make people ignore that a problem has bigger consequences than just like what that one particular group is going to face, right? It's definitely true that a lot of things overburden people of color, people, gay people, LGBTQ community, uh, women, etc. But a lot of those. Issues are felt socially and not just as a byproduct, but as a direct, as a direct consequence. And I would say the same thing is true about a lot of our foreign policy. It's easy to, because America is one of the biggest imperialists, is no, not it, it is the biggest imperialist actor on the global stage. And the only reason they can get away with a lot of that stuff is by convincing people that that has nothing to do with what we do at home. It's not an implication of our moral standing. It shouldn't be, and it won't affect their their lives. And I I. That's not true essentially, you know there's a reason why we have fucking tanks rolling through our streets, and it's not because it's not because Americans like tanks
1: yeah, and you can't arm a monarchy t- it, so that they can bomb kids, hospitals, schools, and shit on purpose a- and then come back domestically and be like, well, you know we're really here for freedom, democracy, and you know that jazz, it just does not play
0: democracy is such fucking bullshit. I don't, like I don't even know how I feel about democracy, but I know like at, at least I know how I feel about like you know, direct everyone gets a vote on every issue democracy. Some people are really into that. I'm not I'm not that much of an anarchist, you know, full disclosure. I just don't think that's like practical. I'm sure, at least not for things that we need. But um like Americans, especially Americans who have more centrist leanings, love to appeal to those kinds of things. They love to, I think we saw a lot of this in the wake of Donald Trump being elected, where a lot of them were like, oh, Donald Trump and his lack of decorum, his lack of wanting to follow uh, procedure, his lack of doing things the right way, his lack of coming up with a nice sounding reason for why we have to kill all Muslims or whatever. Um, it's going to represent the death of the democracy, the death of the republic. Look at the fucking Washington Post, uh, a magazine that years before were like, were like essentially coming against, out against democracy itself. They were saying, is there too much voting? There was, just a, there was just a piece in the Atlantic that was fucking terribly written that almost gave me a fucking literal. Really, it made me wish I was fucking illiterate, but it almost gave me a stroke um, that like, was like too much democracy is a bad thing. And so, like, it's not so people actually, not so these people, the people who view themselves as the elite, the neo-aristocracy of the the thinker technocratic class, really like democracy. It's just that democracy in some of these sense, in a lot of ways, has, is a coded term for what they consider to be, like, the right, the social order, essentially. The one that leads to them being on top and everyone else being on the bottom and, and all of the associated things that, that that requires. And so when Trump became elected, a lot of pieces came out like, oh, Trump is the death of the republic. He's the death of the. He's the death of democracy. He's the death of all these sort of grandiose sounding things. For what they really meant is that like he's the death of. You know, he's the death of how I feel about America, and how I feel about America is to me the most intrinsic part of what makes America good or bad or whatever. It's not whether America is bombing hospitals or supporting coups. It's whether or not I feel like America is doing the right thing, whether or not I can feel like what we're doing on the global stage, irrespective of what that thing is, is the right thing. I mean, Shit, when they were going to elect Hillary Clinton and they were like, well, yeah, Hillary Clinton might have gone to war with Syria, but I would have left, I would have at least felt like the person who was doing that was, you know, essentially uh, smart and moral. And I think that really is an unfortunate aspect of the way we we constitute morality in this country, at least the way the centrist class does. It's not what we're doing. It's the esoteric beliefs that people can gesture towards that, like, that like they believe is you know essentially decides whether or not the action is moral but you know i hate to quote batman or i guess I saw doctor sleep but it's not your beliefs that determine your morality or what you you know self-prescribe your ideology at. It's, it's your actions so like you know whether or not the person who's bombing syria is donald trump or elizabeth warren doesn't necessarily make the action correct but you know it does de- show that neoconservatism is the underlying mit- ideology and everything else is just a mask for that. Or everything else is just a mask for how we can feel better about doing it. But I just went on long again. So, again, you guys have the last word this time for real. And I'm going to fucking hit the off button.
1: The only other thing that comes to my mind is that, uh, and we're not going to get into it right now as I think we're wrapping up, just that, like, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos are worse than anybody in prison like no matter what they're in there for they, they in my view are worse human beings responsible for far more horrific crimes against humanity than anybody that we lock away and, and like that disturbs me <laughs>
0: Definitely, I think someone. I think someone made a good point where they were like, you know, people credit Bill. I mean, Bill Clinton. People credit Bill Gates for starting a technological revolution, but really, he spent most of his time in the '90s in antitrust court for break for essentially illegally destroying other tech companies. He didn't start when he destroyed a tech revolution. He destroyed. He destroyed free freeware. He destroyed all those things in order to make his company more profitable. In the same sense, you know, bringing Glenn back again. A lot of people's problem with Glenn is that he goes on Tucker Carlson. I don't like that shit either. I've, I've been vocal about my dislike of Tucker Carlson, my dislike of most people who go on there. But it's not hard to point out that, like, I don't think this is you know kind of a maybe a weird thing to say. I don't think Tucker Carlson has done more harm to the world than people like David Frum or people like Bill Crystal, I think that it's hard and when you're talking about things like this to like a you know where the magnitude of like what is the magnitude of that actually? But, like, I would hazard to say that, like, David Frum and a lot of the Bush administration people who have been rehabilitated by liberal media have done more harm. And a lot of people who have been and who are, are at least left adjacent, who the left open or, you know, welcome with open arms because they, you know, they like seeing themselves represented in mainstream outlets are more are friendly with people like David Frum, are friendly with people like The Atlantic, who write who write shit, <laughs> write basic shit in, in pursuit of supporting coups and su- support of neo fascist ideas at home because that allows them to feel more presented in the modern media. But like it's hard for me to take anyone who condemns, you know, again, Jacobin has his issues too, or condemns Glenn Greenwald for going on Tucker Carlson repeatedly, uh, but who welcomes people who engage with uh, David Frum or who engage with, you know, New York Times op-ed section writers. and New York Times lied us into to Iraq too. Like who engage with those people as having a serious set of serious values and not a you know a series of weird mental gymnastics to absolve them and their friends. And to implicate others in that kind of, you know, in that dynamic. But that will be my last word. I'm going to
1: bed, take a shot so I can sleep.
0: Leah, take us out, Rich. Uh,
1: just fuck them. Fuck them.